Well, Marcus, we're trying to make this show bigger and better every week, and I feel like we've done that so far, and it's all thanks to our wonderful sponsors. And the first one we'll start off with is Milliamar. Retrojet Prince. Capital Edge. And Gavos Freight Solutions. Without all the massive help and support we have from all those guys right there, we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do and bring you the guests that we're able to. So with a big thanks to them, we'll uh, get cracking into the episode. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you. It's the emblem of the team we love, the team of the red and the blue. It is a grand old flag indeed. Melbourne, a premiers for season 2021 in dominant fashion, ended up winning by 74 points in probably one of the better 74-point games you'll see. Mate, what a grand final. Anyway, for the majority of it. I just still, I'm still shell-shocked that Melbourne had won a flag in my lifetime. I just, mm. It was one of those things you didn't think was ever going to happen. But, um, yeah, it was a fantastic grand final. I mean, at halftime, it was it was anyone's game, really. So it was, uh, it was spe- quite a spectacular, well, especially first half to watch. And then, I guess, for mutual support, it's probably just in awe of how quickly Melbourne able to, were able to pile on a score and really bury the dogs. But, yeah, awesome game, like you said. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean... I think first quarter was, you know, Melbourne were, were pretty dominant, four goals to one, and then the Bulldogs really wrestled it back. Or the Bulldogs, Bonson Pally wrestled him back. He playing a lone hand for him. He was, he was incredible. He was, he was probably winning the Norm Smith Medal at halftime, and then they continued on with it. The Dogs, you know, five to ten minutes into the third quarter, and they got nineteen points up. And we thought, I genuinely thought the Bulldogs were going to win. Did you, do you think the same? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I thought they're going to win. Bont's going to have the Norm Smith medal. Yep. Um, I thought, and look, I, I don't know why. I said this before. I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for the dogs. I was quite happy. I thought it's going yeah. to be a good game, but I'm going to get the result that I was kind of looking for. You were thinking of liver as well. I was thinking of liver. you know, um, you know, famous guest that came on our Pressure show. Pressure points on. Exactly yeah. right. So I was thinking of him and I thought this would be great. But um, yeah, I guess I don't want to say Melbourne proved us wrong because it's not like we didn't expect them to come back. But geez, they uh, they really put on a show. Yeah, it was it was incredible from what the tenth or twelfth minute mark of that third quarter, Melbourne just literally just flicked a switch and were one of the most dominant performances I think I've ever seen. What was the the score in the end? It was like a hundred to seven from halfway through the third quarter. Yeah, I think from the sixteenth yeah. minute mark Ridiculous. of the third quarter, it was about a hundred to one or something like that. Crazy, it was nuts, it was unbelievable. So they, I think they kicked three goals in the last thirty seconds of the third quarter. Um, Petrarca went nuts. Clayton Oliver with that that run out of the the center square to keep that goal. It was just, it was freakish and um, and just, you just couldn't believe what you're watching. To be honest, I mean they they played pretty similar in the prelim, but to back it up in the grand final was was outrageous. They did play similar, but in saying that, you know we saw the dogs have a similar performance again against yep. Port in the prelim. So we sort of thought it would even itself out, and if like we said for the first half, it did. Yep. Um, but yeah, geez, I, just, I just can't comprehend the fact that they dominated by so much in that last yeah. half of football and just really blew it away. And at halftime, like I mentioned before, you really didn't know who was going to win that game. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, but yeah, as I said before, I think it was probably one of the better 74-point games you'll see. Um, I mean, you, you didn't really lose interest in it. Maybe probably for... But even the last five minutes, you, you wanted to see the celebrations as well and all the tears that went along with the, the big drought breaker. And um, it was good to see. It was good to see. No, it was. It was. It was one of those ones where I guess it was boring in the sense that 
you knew the winner. The yeah. result was sort of already set in stone by halfway through the fourth quarter, just the way Melbourne was playing. But, yeah, it was exciting to see how they were going to score more goals, what crazy things or another tricks are going to pull out of the hat. I think that was what more kept a lot of people watching and interested from a mutual perspective. But I would have loved to have been a Melbourne supporter on the weekend. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. We've got a couple on the show later, but uh, we'll, we'll get to them when we do. But just before we get to uh, these boys, what are your thoughts on the, the night grand final and in Perth as well? Um, I thought Perth put on a good spectacle. Um, I was quite happy with the way that the game went. Um, you know, obviously the light show that they've got there. It's a, it's a wonderful place to play footy and I can't wait to eventually get over there. Hopefully we can do a pressure point road trip and catch a game up there. That'd be unreal. But I thought it was great. I am a traditionalist though and I still want to go back to the day grand final, MCG. Um, you know, you can fit 100,000 people. The atmosphere there is unlike no other. And people that say that Optus Stadium is better, look, it might be more modern and it's got a light show, but does that... Is that what it really stands mm. for? And a lot of people are big on the halftime entertainment, and that's why it looks better at night. Yeah, We're not the Super Bowl. The grand yeah. final's never been the Super Bowl. The, the halftime entertainment isn't the what draws people to the game. It's the football. It's the sport. It's um, So I, I'm happy to have it during the day. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm, you know, too uh, too old school, but I like it during the day. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same. Like, I, I like it during the day, but in the lead up to it, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, like this, this, I reckon they're going to put on a pretty good show here. Um it's just something we're going to have to get used to. You almost feel like it's, it's going to eventually be a consistent thing. But um, I know after, it, it's, it still doesn't properly feel like a grand final, does it, when it's at, at night um, and especially away from the MCG as well. Um, you just don't get that, that whole like, that tradition of it and the, the importance of the day, if that makes sense. So, um, like, yeah, absolutely. It looks great. It's a great spectacle at night, but... Uh, I think I think during the day it's where it is. It's it's where the history is, and um, I know personally, if it was my team, I'd, I'd like to win it during the day at the MCG. Absolutely. Know. Well, coming from someone that's had both, it's had mm. a bit of a taste of both. Um, yep. I can say that maybe it's because I was in person as well. If I had if I had a chance to go to the Gabba at night, I could have a different opinion. Yep. But um, I'm yeah, I'm still all for having it at Melbourne, especially. And it's a long wait as well. It's it, a big day. It's a big day. It is. It really. And you know, pe- people are going to start celebrating early during mm. the day and it's going to be a long night if that's the case but i mean you can't that can't be the sole reason to no, have it during the no. day but it's definitely a factor for sure yeah. um but you also it's also the fact that having it in melbourne as well i mean melbourne's you know it's the home of football it's yeah. where it started and you get all the atmosphere here and the grand final parade and i mean yeah, you could do that technically in another state but i just don't know if it would have the same effect no. obviously wa love their footy and i'm not taking that away from them but i just think the tr- it, yeah, it's steeped in history yeah. and tradition here in Melbourne. Especially when you watch, especially Grand Final Week, when you're watching all the old Grand Finals on TV and everything. And you got the tradition of it being at the MCG in the afternoon and and realising what's come before you and the importance of it and how special it is to win on that ground at that time. Um, I think being away from Melbourne and at night takes it, takes it away a bit, I think. But... Yeah, I'd love I'd love for it to return back to the to the G at two thirty next year, which would be which would be awesome. That's the well, that's hopefully what's going to happen. But just yeah. quickly as well on this on a similar topic, there's been talks of um, potentially. Well, I think people more just are putting the raising the question anyway. But what are your thoughts on potentially having the grand final in different state every year? Yeah, I, I wasn't against as I said leading up to the game. I was I wasn't against it, but oh, I don't know something about this this. I th- I, th- I think because it was Melbourne and it's like they have. They had to win a premiership at the MCG because it's their home ground. It's Melbourne, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, for me, after the game and, and the celebrations, it's like, yeah, I think, I think it has to stay in Melbourne, just yeah. for uh, that's footy. 
hundred percent. And game. I think you, the capacity as well has to be taken into factor. hundred thousand yep. people, you don't get that anywhere else in Australia. And you get your absolute diehard fans there as well. You do. You cram as many people in as you can. Yep. You're obviously going to get your corporates that take up a lot of seats as well. Yep. But you, you get as many diehard fans in as you can. And then if you can't get into the G, there's so much more on offer just around the city in general, Melbourne. So yep. much grand final experience that you can lap up, which I feel other states probably lack. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for having keeping it at the G. 2.30 start time. Red footy is the best footy, as Red, I say. Exactly right. Red footy is the best footy, so yeah. absolutely. Uh, are they going to create a dynasty? Ooh, I like that. It's clever. I can't imagine you've, you've made that one up yourself. But I have. Well, so I've spoken to some, some sources, and some reckon they'll win four in a row, um, mm. which will be interesting. So mm. that'll be... Uh, look, I think they've got every chance to, for sure. I mean, it, I was saying before this, if everything goes right for the Ds in terms of injuries and players staying and I mean that's the problem when you're good is you're going to start to lose some of those younger guys from because they're going to seek more opportunity but they've only just won a flag so they're going to still have a couple of years before that becomes an issue yeah. so if they can have a couple of clear years of injury like they had this year and for the most part they had a pretty good run yeah um, absolutely I can't see why they wouldn't yeah. create There's, them a bit of a dynasty they're still so young right. oh, uh, Pachaka's only 25 I look at it and he's my age and yeah, I think what have crazy. I done and Clayton Oliver's younger um and then I think Max Gorn's the only one that's getting a bit on now. He's getting turning 30. And Jack Viney's a bit older as well. Um, but apart from that, they're, 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 they're well poised to, to create a, a dynasty, as some people are saying. Absolutely. And on the, on the, on the other hand, though, I mean, unless the Bulldogs fall off a cliff, they're going to be another dangerous team next year. And there's so many other sides that are coming mm. up as well that the competition is – it's scary to see how good sides could be because people can pop out of the eight or yep. from the bottom eight, sorry, and just come in and – have a massive influence like the D's did. So yeah. it's scary, but yeah, I, I can, can't see any reason why Melbourne couldn't um, continue their good form and win it again. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think these boys might be able to, uh, might have an opinion on it. We've got the attention to detail boys who we had on earlier in the year. Um, passionate Melbourne supporters, as passionate as they come, they, they host a, a great podcast. They're doing great things um, for all your Melbourne content. And we, yeah, we caught up with them a bit earlier to get their thoughts on the, the drought-breaking flag and, and how they felt after the game. So enjoy the chat that we had with the boys. Well, as we mentioned earlier, everybody, we're joined by the Attention to Detail podcast yet again. Simo and Tim, congratulations firstly on the big win on Saturday night. How are you both feeling? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good, Quinn. Marcus, thanks so much for having us. Um, yeah, it's pretty surreal. I think that's probably got to be the biggest word at the moment. Obviously, with the environment that we're in, it's, yeah, you're just trying to find any excuse to try to get outside and wear the colours. And I think I've as, as much as Saturday night was good, like personally, my experience was, was watching it sort of on my own and, and had my old man and my brother on Zoom, not, not throughout the game, but more so at the end. But it's been nice just having those interactions. I think Sunday morning went for a big walk. And yeah, just countless toots of people like I'm just wearing my jersey and walking down the street with with daughter Harper and just getting toots of people yelling out the side and and walking through the parks. And then I had one lady who pulled up when I was crossing the road and she just had a grand old flag absolutely pumping out of her car and just fist pumping as I'm walking across the road. And it's uh, nah, it's pretty unreal. I reckon I'm only on my third watch of the replay uh, in total. But it's just you do you soak it all in taking in all the media and just yeah just trying to embrace every every second of it it's obviously unique circumstances what we know well, Quinn you know obviously with Tigers winning last year in, in lockdown as well too but 
uh, yeah, no, nah, it's it's very exciting, and yeah, you just find any excuse to, as I said, have a conversation or just just wear the colours and, and be proud. Yeah, on the same. It's it's such a it's such a bizarre feeling. Um, it's an amazing feeling, but yeah, not being able to be there um, was was difficult. But I think just you know, if you you ask the question, you know, it's you, you got to win it whatever way um, you, you please. It's just it's just amazing to see where we've come from, you know, especially from what we've gone through to what we've done now, it just, you know, makes it feel just that much better. Um, you know, a few times when I was a bit younger, dad, oh, I used to say to dad, like, oh, I'm ready to give up on him. Um, but he's like, no, nah, keep going, keep going. And, you know, that, that moment, um, all the moments that have, you know, been building, it just made it so emotional. And I think rewatching it um, on Sunday morning made me feel that a little bit more just because I was just buzzing on, on Saturday night, just, unfold or just seeing that third quarter unfold like you you, you you've obviously seen the best 17 minutes of football in the club's history let alone probably in many clubs history i mean to kick 100 points um to seven from i think the seven minute mark or eight minute mark of the third quarter was just you just you were just in awe of what this playing group was doing and you know i think we'll be celebrating for a long time Oh, absolutely. And I think the best thing about the replay is, is you start to appreciate the little things that you may have missed on the night because you're just so buzzed, like you said, Simo, and you're just sort of enjoying it, but you actually get to go back and pinpoint the finer details. So yeah, absolutely stoked for you guys. And um, I'm, I am shattered as well. Like we were talking about before, Tim, it's a bit bittersweet that it, it wasn't in Melbourne and you couldn't exactly celebrate the way you probably would have liked to, but hopefully a bit further down the line, um, you guys will both get that opportunity. I'll start with you, Tim, with the next question, but how did you prepare for the game during the day? I mean, it's a big build-up. It was, it was a long two weeks wait, I guess, as well, and which would have changed things a little bit. But were you, were you nervous in the morning? Was it more excitement? What was the feeling like heading into the day? Uh, yeah, look, I, I've probably been pretty calm in between the prelim and grand final. Like, you sort of, you have the conversations, but probably personally, I wasn't feeling too bad. And I knew I'd be probably a wreck just before the game, and it was, but... Heading into the day, like I caught up with mum and dad, uh, who hadn't seen, hadn't seen for quite a while. But normally, obviously, like with footy and and the D's, it's it's a big family thing for me, and uh, it was it was great just to have that kind of connection, just and have that chat with with dad and mum. And my brother would normally be in here, but he's a bit further out. He's in Hawthorne, so I didn't get to see him there. But yeah, just sort of hung out with him for the morning, and then just sort of kept myself busy throughout the day. I don't think I turned on the TV until probably about six. I, I, I did watch a bit of the captain's run in the morning and you sort of start to get the analysis and then thinking, shit, I don't, I don't think I can stand here and, and watch all the analysis in the lead up. Like, I think that made it worse because obviously they're playing out all the scenarios, they're pinpointing everything. I really just tried to keep myself busy up until about six and then I, I just found myself like pacing, just doing things and <laughs> getting ready for that first bounce because you do, you feel, you feel those butterflies in your stomach, but because uh, yeah you know like dad says he's, he was a nervous wreck for them for the last two weeks whereas i've been pretty calm and collected but i think i think also had you been going to the game and it would have been a different sense probably of excitement and nervousness because you're surrounded by it but i think given that i was sort of mainly doing it on my own i was yeah reasonably composed up until about an hour beforehand yeah what about you simo how do you feel uh, it was a nervous wait. It's like two weeks to wait for a grand final was just, you know, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. You just think about all the outcomes that potentially the what ifs. 
Um, but look, I'll tell you what, the wait was definitely worth it. Um, we even had a wait after the, um, the qualifying final as well. So, you know, we're, we're used to a wait, but I'll tell you what, it, it didn't make things easy across the final series. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation around, you know, playing one game in 28 days, like, you know, how much would that impact? But obviously um, impacted us a little bit different considering we're in Perth for quite a substantial amount of time as opposed to the doggies. Um, so I sort of had that in mind. And I think even doing the podcast with Tim sort of just, you know, just stayed positive with everything going on and even chatting to people, um, especially Melbourne people. Um, you know, it was quite easy to remain slight or just, yeah, calm to a degree. Um, it was really interesting hearing from our outsider's perspective is uh, perspectives because they were just trying to stir me up a little bit just in the way and, yeah, just like I said, just all the what ifs. Um, but yeah, definitely. Worth I think it. the spotlight though, as well. Like I think having that two week break obviously is not not ideal. But I think just with the media and the spotlight, and just being able to actually reflect on the fact that we've made it to a grand final. Uh, you know, there's a lot of positive media out there, and it was just nice to kind of have that extra time to soak it in as well. Too, I think not having been that far for quite a number of years, I was going through like I'm. In amongst all of this, I'm bloody buying, well, bought a house, like, you know, moving moving house and I'm starting to pack. And I found in one of the cupboards, the 2018 paper, I'd saved the 2018 paper after we won the semi-final against Hawthorne. And I just remember, you know, like only those amounts though at those times, that your team's getting a lot of attention, a lot of coverage. And again, now when there's only two teams left in it, you do get a lot of coverage. So it's been good to sort of really read in depth about everyone's opinions. And as Simo said, speak to a lot of people about it. But I think it, it was nice just to embrace it as well too, without sort of thinking too far ahead into the result. Um, it was nice just to, yeah, for once for Melbourne, as a kid growing up where you got, you know, not many kids at Oz kick were wearing Melbourne, jumpers and and being a bit of a laughing stock it was nice to sort of just be in the spotlight you know prior to the result yeah love it love it um what about your genuine predictions before the game obviously you know turned out to be a 74 point win and i mean you probably would have expected that after your prelim against geelong but did you really think it would it was going to be as dominant as that i'll start with you simo my, my predictions was asked by about 15. I thought it would be pretty close. Um, obviously, in the first half, you saw that, you know, it was two, two, oh, a tale of two quarters, really. Um, more so in the second quarter, we didn't really make the most of our opportunities. I mean, Max Gorn got stinged on one goal. But, um, yeah, it was 15 points. I thought I thought would just, you know, be pretty close at three-quarter time. Then we'll, you know, find a way to, to get the, the job done. But... Tell you what, mate, to, to do what we did, like I said before, it was just, you know, I was just in awe. Yeah, I think predictions were a little bit hard. I think the two contests that we played them, obviously looking at round, oh, I forget what it was. Was it round 11? What was the first? No, no, round, first time we played them during the year. was We beat them, obviously, very comprehensively. And it was actually interesting last week when we had like a bit of a live segment for the first time and this bloke had, had gone back and watched our last game round 17 I think it was that we played him um, and we lost and it was just a few things that he pointed out about why I was feeling confident going into the grand final and I think it was only then that you sort of thought like dogs had been the benchmark of the competition for the majority of the season and I'd, I'd openly thought that I thought Melbourne were, were right up there with them but I think at, at the times so the dogs did look probably just by by an inch slightly the better team even though we'd remained on top for longer but some of the things that he was pointing out and just some of the s- subtle adjustments that i know that 
could have been made and, and were made at a later point in that game, but it wasn't obviously enough to get us over the line. It sort of makes you think, yeah, okay, they've got a lot of top-end talent, but I just think at the end of the day, it was I was feeling confident, but I'd sort of resigned to both results as well. So I was like, you know what, if we lose, it's the dogs, they're the best team in the competition. If it was Port Adelaide, I would have been a little bit disappointed, I think, um, just given their, uh, you know, their progress throughout the year. But I think, yeah, heading in, I, honestly, it was, it was really hard to think. Like, you want to be confident, you want to be behind your team and I certainly was but it was it was hard to predict it I think just hard to let it all play out in your heart in your head but I think at the end I was thinking about all 22 players of the D's and thinking that even our bottom four just well our bottom six really uh, I thought probably would be better in terms of their roles and just the way that the the team's taken on the selfless mentality and everybody really perfects their role and executes it um, you know really well and that's obviously been a huge pillar in our success this year so that i was really confident on but no nah, it was yeah hard to predict i think <laughs> personally i don't know well, speaking of speaking of confidence and i mean i've been in a similar situation so i, I kind of know how i felt in this situation but going into halftime um we saw the dogs put on put on a little bit of a show bont and pally sort of turned it around and you start to think geez they're, they're looking on here the doggies what was the feeling like for you boys heading into halftime and um, after seeing, the, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't think it's over, but what was the thought going in a half time? Would you think, Jesse, can be a battle for the rest of the game, or what? Would, yeah, what was the process going through that? I'll start with you, Simo. I've, I've honestly, I had full faith in them. Um, yes, I was really nervous, um, but I knew with what we've got, um, and we'll, well, to be honest, we've done it. We actually come from behind it a few games this year, um, and I knew from the start too. We looked on. It was just a matter of you know not making the most of the opportunities in the second quarter. Um, it was just all about making the adjustment and I think just really trying to go back to what we we're doing in the first quarter and, you know, being, being the pressure side we were um, and making it really hard for the doggies to play, I think was the biggest thing. Um, so you probably noticed in the first half of the third quarter, we were grinding and grinding and grinding, just weren't really getting reward on the scoreboard. Um, but then, you know, as the tides change, you know, you get some unbelievable performances Um and I suppose, you know, that mindset changed. I mean, I will be honest, when we're 19 down, I didn't know where the next gear was going to come from. We are playing pretty boring football, down the line stuff. It was, you know, starting to, you know, I was really worried, um, like a lot of Melbourne supporters were. And I think a few people probably were like, oh, gee, are we going to actually get out, get back into this game? Um, and then I think just just that sure, sure grit and grind, um, you know, got the kind of got the better of the doggies and we really pounce on those opportunities. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was probably similar. I was, I was pretty calm at halftime. I know speaking, I had a quick chat with dad and brother and dad had already turned it off. He's he's pretty terrible like that. He's, we might have mentioned, but he's still scarred from the 87 prelim and, and finds it really hard. I think it affects his his health when he when he watches the Ds in a tight situation. So um, I, was, I was pretty good. I think that knowing that the doggies and spoke about how good they've been all season, but they're always going to respond and they got on top of the contested ball in that second quarter. And that's how they were able to sort of capitalize on clearances and, and get the ball forward. And, and a lot of their goals that they scored in that second quarter were sort of ground balls, which against Brisbane, that was one of the things that our defense, um, you know, isn't quite as well suited for. And when it gets a bit chaotic, it can be a little bit more unpredictable. So I knew that, I think going into halftime and I think we were, I don't know, minus eight or minus 10 contested possessions in that in that second quarter. We've done it multiple times before and I know that Goody 
has been very much about, you know, let's get back to our brand and, and being able to reset at halftime or at quarter time, whenever it is at the break. But I think knowing that the players have been able to do that, as Simo mentioned before, really, really effectively throughout the season at, at countless, um, at, in countless positions, depending on what the margin's been, you know that they were able to get back to their best and win contested ball and, and just win the hunt. And yeah, it did take 10, 12 minutes into the third quarter for them to be able to bounce back. But no, I think the feeling at halftime, whilst the Ds would have probably been a little bit hot, like there was a Stephen May mark that certainly should have been paid. Talk about, you know, <laughs> umpiring decisions. I thought that was a bit stiff and nearly cost us a goal. I think it was at Hunter that maybe missed or hit the post or English. I can't remember who it was at that stage. But yeah, you could see a few of the players were just a little bit hot going in. And I think Track said that. He said the first few minutes are all a little bit you know, on edge a little, and uh, it just took a bit of a calming influence, which we know Goody's been so good at over his past five years. He's, he's one of those blokes that whether you're up by 70 or down by 30, his demeanor stays the same. And you know that that message has been really consistent all year about reset, go back out there, just play our brand and be us. And and they did that. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't too worried at halftime. Um, as I said, halfway through the third, yeah, there's some questions starting to creep in, but the rest is history. Yeah, well, you just mentioned the track and um, obviously he, he played one of the all-time great grand finals. He's even been, there's ever been talk about being better than Dusty's over the last few years. I mean, how much how much love do you have for this bloke? He's uh, a very lovable character and Jesus, his footy is pretty good too. So, Simo, how much do you love the, the track? <laughs> oh, I think the love for him's definitely grown. I mean, I've always loved him as a player. I wouldn't say he's been my favourite player, but I love all these players. But, dude, the... Just to watch what he was doing was just second to none. And, yeah, and I think this game goes up there with a Dusty-type game. Um, but, you know, Petr- I feel like Petrarca's is his own, his own animal, his own beast. Like, he can get you in the air. He can get you at ground level. He's just a pure just beast. That's a, that's pretty much what he is. And I think, you know, you're going to see this multiple times, I think, in the future where he becomes this just animal Um in finals footy, I mean, you see it not only from him, but from Viney as well. You think he's been pretty pretty down for most of the year and he comes out in the finals and just goes whack. So, yeah, I think we're we're starting to really see what the track can do. Um, what's he now? 25. So, you know, we've got a lot of, lot of time to love this bloke. He's certainly, yeah, certainly just building upon what he's already, uh, what he's already achieved so far. But I think the thing that's impressed me, the most with him and probably not so much just in that game, but just over the last couple of years, just his maturity and leadership that's really come out. And I think it came out after watching the round 23 game against Geelong. And, you know, he was a bit emotional at the end and it was just amazing to hear him sort of speak about, um, you know, like what the club means to him. And I know that obviously signed that long-term deal and was never going anywhere, but I think, one of the biggest things he's sort of talked about in the media has been, you know, his love for his teammates. And he's always been known as like that chirpy bloke. You know, you ask players, who's the most annoying player? You know, Christian Petrarca is almost within a split second, the answer. One of those guys has just got way too much energy. But, you know, a couple of years ago, he's he really learned to channel that in, energy into his off-season training. And I think Darren Burgess has been a huge um, influence on him in terms of being able to t- turn him into this endurance beast. And, and now we're just seeing him, you know, the fittest version of himself is is out there and he's just being able to rip games apart the midfield's obviously been a double-edged sword between him and clary you know you go to one the other explodes and, and vice versa and 
yeah, the same thing happened again there. Like Clary had a fantastic game, but it's a different sort of game to what Track did. And his ability now to finish goals, you know, where goal kicking at, at times has been um, a bit of his, his Achilles heel. I mean, that dribble kick in the third quarter is just is up there with one of the all-time great goals in Melbourne history. And, and obviously it sparked um, a flurry of goals after that. But yeah, I think, I honestly think, you know, with Max looking at, I don't know, you know, he's 30 or turning 30 and thinking about future captains. I think Track is somebody that could be could easily be our captain. I just love his the way that he's developed as as a as a young player and a young man who's who's gone from being this cheeky talented kid to now um, a bona fide absolute star and and yeah and probably on a little personal note, I'm, I haven't been a massive fan of the Dusty comparisons only because I just love as Simo mentioned before and I know me and Simo chatted about this last night. I just think that he's his own player and, and he's just certainly just carving out um, his career for himself. And I think it's a little bit unfair to be labelled against somebody so so um, decorated as Dusty, but he's just, yeah, going to continue to grow. And um, a very worthy Norm Smith medalist, I think. If if Bailey had slotted maybe one more, I reckon he would have been giving him a run, but we know what... We're not that the uh, media media thinks of um, sorry media thinks of track. They all love him. So um, no, nah, very excited to see what he brings us. But no, it's a huge game. Let's yeah. hope, let's hope he's the DJ at the uh, the grand final after party um, when all Melbourne supporters get to get to the G. Are they going to be pretty sick? I reckon I saw him on the decks. I saw him on the decks. He's got some he got some good tunes going on the track. He's all right. He's not too bad on the. Uh, on the old decks, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, Petrarca is actually quite scary to think about that he's only 25 and then, you know, people hit their prime around this age. And if he's just, you know, only starting to hit it now, it's scary what he's going to do in the next couple of years. But boys, thank you very much for jumping on once again. Um, you know, I know there's plenty more you guys could probably speak about for this game. It's obviously a massive occasion. First flag in 57 years, first one in your lifetime. So it's been huge, but we'll let you talk about that on your own uh, grand final. <laughs> so when that comes up, we won't hog all the, all the uh, attention from you boys, but thanks again for joining us. Um, look forward to having you on the podcast soon and good luck for next year. I'm sure the days will uh, be flying again. Thanks. Uh, thanks boys. No, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, Marcus, hopefully, uh, hopefully for your sake, blues isn't, uh, isn't too far away. You know, hopefully even heading in the right direction. Yeah, well, mate, this gives me a lot of hope. That's why I was going for Melbourne. So we've had yeah. similar parts. <laughs> Unreal. Now, nah, thanks again, guys. Thanks, appreciate boys. it. See you, Jeez, how good was that? A lot of passion. Absolutely. I mean, look, every and rightfully so. Fifty-seven years without a flag, and these boys, um, you know, not. I don't want to say they're old, but they're not. They're not. They're not like twelve either, where they haven't had that much heartache. They've, they've definitely had gone through a lot of heartbreak, yep. and um, it was just. It was good to see, and they're good friends at the show as well. So you know, we're always happy to see friends pretty happy after a win like that. Yep. Yeah. Make sure you are uh, you follow them at attention to detail on Instagram, Spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, especially Melbourne fans out there, that's it's one of the better Melbourne content out there. Um, all right, well, that's that's the grand final done. Let's, uh, let's move on to the silly season and it all happens and moves on very quickly. We've got the trade period starting next Monday. There's already been some, some silly rumours going around and um, probably not the big names that we're used to in trade period, but there's certainly some names floating around. A hundred percent there is. I mean, Adam Cherry going to Carlton's a big one that I'm sure yep. you've got a keen eye um, on. But um, oh, look, at like we said, the trade period hasn't officially started yet. So all the rumours and all the, the silly talk is up and about. Like I've been listening to trade radio the last couple of days pretty heavily. And some of the stuff you hear on there is, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yep. But I like it. I think it sort of, it keeps that football fire burning a little bit longer. I mean, the season's officially over, but 
it never really ends with stuff like this, which I love. Um, and it's exciting to see what your team might be doing in the off-season. And it, it, it can really build into a good 2022 and for mine. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what's going to happen in this trade period. Is there any, apart from Adam Chera, I know he's the big one, are there any names that are potentially heading to Carlton or someone that you want Carlton to look at um, that could really help the club next year? Well, Carlton's linked to every player every year. So, uh, But Adam Chera looks, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll get the job done there. Um and then George Hewitt looks like he's already signed um, as a free agent. Um, so he, he's a great pickup. So we're just bolstering the midfield. And then we've got Jared Brander from West Coast, who I don't know a lot about, but um, we're heavily linked to him as well. So, um, yeah, if we, if we manage to get all three of them in, I think that'd be pretty good business if, if we're not giving up too much. That's the thing with Carlton. We, we give up way too much sometimes and pay them way too much. If we can get them at a good price and, and yeah, not pay, um, yeah, pay a ridiculous amount on their salary, I think I'll be pretty happy with it. Um, but it looks like we might be losing Sam Petreski seaton which is a bit of a blow. I mean, he hasn't been, he hasn't lived up to his expectations, but at the same time, he's been played out of position. So I feel like with Vossi now on board, I think if he plays him in the midfield or up forward, I think we'll get the best out of him if he stays. But it doesn't look likely. It looks like he's already requested to go home. You feel like that conversation would probably be taking place, whether it hasn't already or in the next day or so, well, with Vossi and There was SP. talk today that... Petreski seaton That he, he, there's, he, he might stay now, now that Voss is on board. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. surely Voss has reached out and said, look, here's my plan for you for next year. Before you leave, this is what we're going to offer you. If you like it, stay. If you don't, continue down the path yeah. you're going to head. So I think that's probably the route that Vossi should take anyway. And that, try and keep these players. I mean, he's not your best midfielder for sure, but he's a number six pick. Yeah. He was number six number pick six. for a reason. And so he's got talent. Like he's, he's played some good games. His best footy is good, really yeah. good. But I think the gap at the moment between his best yeah, and his worst is, is, is a bad but gap. At the same so time, he was played in a back pocket, and that's not where he plays his best footy. And that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think if Vossi can, can um, reassure him that he will play midfield time yeah. um, and get him comfortable and give him some continuity in what position he'll play, yeah. it might keep him there. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Absolutely, I'd rather him stay than leave as long as we play him in the right position. Otherwise, yeah. Then he can he can go. Um, that's pretty much they're, they're the big names I, I can think of at the moment. There's no really uh, not much else really happening. I mean, there was a, a bit of silly talk around Canilio, but I don't think that's gonna that's gonna eventuate. But no, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame Canilio for looking for other options mm. with the way that he's probably been dealt with at the Giants in the last two seasons. But I think he's a he's a pretty loyal fellow by the sounds of things yep. and by the looks of what I've seen. And I reckon he'll probably stay on board. I'd be surprised if he left. Um, I guess the only other one that's you know, pricks my interest a little bit is that Robbie Tarrant is apparently yeah. coming to Richmond, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. He's 33 next year, I think he's turning. Yep. So, I mean, obviously he's going to be replacing Dave Asprey pretty much and we get him for nothing, yep. essentially. So, not too upset about that, but I'm, I am cautious. We've got some good picks this year, Richmond, and I'm worried that we'll go down the path of what Geelong did last year and try and bring in some older, more developed players just to win the flag next year. Yep. I'd rather see us some, somewhere in the middle. Yep. Get someone in that will help us, but also look to the future because Geelong for the last 10, 15 years have been up the top and that's because they've been able to bolster their stocks yeah. all the time and I don't, that's what I want to do. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on and obviously every club's going to have similar or different um, positions that they're in. But yeah, it's something to keep your eye on anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that all that all kicks off next Monday, the trade period. We all, all love it, especially, um, especially the teams that didn't make finals and are pushing for finals next year. It's always an exciting time to get some new... New players in and sells hope for next year as well, which is uh, Christmas time for every Carlton supporter, really. So it's um, it's always fun. 
But uh, that's that's pretty much it, and um, that's pretty much our our season done here at the podcast as well. We'll obviously keep doing content with trade period and the draft time and when we have our, our special guests come on as well. But in terms of match reviews and, and things like that, that's that's us done as a lot of people are wrapping up their, their weekly content. So it's been a great year. and uh, But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back next week as well to, to talk about trade period too. Absolutely, we will. So it's not done just yet for the Pressure Point boys, but um, again, yeah. I guess in terms of, yeah, regular season content, that's, yeah. uh, that's a wrap. But yeah, it's uh it's been great and uh yeah, as I say every week, make sure you leave us leave us a review, scrub tops on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week to talk about all the big trades and, and wrap them all up. So we'll chat then. <laughs>